Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are live for another episode of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined, as always, by an amazing panel. And uh, I'm going to pass it over first to Spartan Grown. Thanks, Jack. What's up, everybody? What's up, chat? Oh, I need to get chat up. <laughs> but uh, I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. And if you don't do social media, you can still send me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com. Um, you can send any question you have about growing uh, I, I have experience in both synthetic grows and organic growth, so I can help you with either one of those. Happy to have you back. Next up, we have Matthew Gates. Hey everyone, my name is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist, and most of you know that already, but if you don't already know, you can find a bunch of great free educational information about pest management prevention and treatment on my YouTube channel, Xenthanol. Also on my Patreon, my Discord channel, which you can join for $1 a month. And that's uh, patreon.com slash Xenthanol to get the link. And uh, yeah, also, of course, Instagram at SyncAngel and Twitter at SyncAngel. Happy to have you back. Next up, we've got Brandon Rust. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Brandon Rust here. Um, you can find me on IG at rust.brandon you can also go to www.bocotteearthworks i've got uh, humane fertilizers microbes amendments i'll be listing soil there soon and i'll also be listing the kiaha there soon some silica products and of course there's seeds a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff on there uh, black lime reserve F2s, a bunch of gas, V2, F2 crosses, some cool stuff. Happy to have you back. And it was kind of cool. I know it's not just for cannabis because I've seen people growing uh, all types of food with it. But most recently I saw somebody with like a sunflower field and they were talking about how they use less nitrogen because they use the, one of the humate products. And it was cool. It was holding up a sunflower in a, a field full of sunflowers. So it's cool to see that it works on uh, stuff outside of just cannabis and it does a great job there. People are happy with the product. So happy to have you back. And last and certainly not least, the American one. Hello, Jack panel and everyone in chat. I am the American one uh, on the YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Akeens on the IG. Um, it's always good to be here. I hope uh, uh, everyone had a good weekend thus far and looking forward to a good week ahead. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Peace. So to start this week, Spartan Grown got an email that he's going to go ahead and share with the listeners. But if you would make sure you click on over to the live chat on YouTube, if you're here with us right now, and start tagging uh, at Cheap Home Grow and asking questions. If you have questions that you'd like to be answering, uh, having us answer on the show, we're going to do Q&A for the first hour. And then the second hour, I'm going to send the link out to the chat for an open panel. And here we go. And Spartan, you're muted, just so you know. Yeah, I just had to unmute myself. Okay. Um, so this is a long email. I'm not going to go through it all the way. Um, but I do want to say I appreciate long emails because I get a lot of the information. I don't have to ask a bunch of questions back and I can get right to the, the, the um, crux of the matter. But so he was apologizing from the very beginning saying long, he was long-winded. But no, then, man, I, I thank you for that. But here's, I'll, I'll start reading here with the issues. He built a greenhouse. It's a 10 by 12 by 13 foot tall greenhouse. There are automatic vent openings on the ridge and two side vents. He's got two high CFM exhaust fans on the ridge and two floor fans to circulate air. 
based on Jack and my input on podcasts, we decided to make SIP planners, which I think are sweet. Two 10 by, well, we don't need to know all the sizes of these, but he's got a bunch of SIP planners in there. And he's got hanging baskets in there. So it's a full greenhouse. And uh, early on, he's had IPM focus was spray and then some ladybugs, which seemed to be doing the trick. But as the plants, cannabis and vegetables started to get bigger, the amount of leaves to spray made the task very time consuming. In the interest of being more efficient, he decided to go all beneficials. And then he talks about all the beneficials he introduced. But well, that's important to say. He uh, introduced rove beetles, pirate bugs, predatory mites, midges, more ladybugs, lace wings, and nematodes, all which were rather expensive, but it was good for the plants. This all seemed to be working great until the combination of sips, fertilizing, and he's using organic rev to feed his plants. His greenhouse became a jungle. So now he's got seven foot tall <laughs> tomato plants, cucumbers, zucchini. They're all uh, foot to foot and a half. And his cannabis, he's got a photo period blue dream, is reaching nine foot tall already. The amount of the vegeta vegetative matter is insane. I have to walk and duck through a tunnel of leaves to get around the greenhouse daily. I have been trimming and pruning, but to no avail, which brings me to my current problem. He's found cabbage aphids on his kale, a different type of aphid on his cannabis, leaf hoppers, thrips. They're all having a heyday with his leaves. Does he take the time to spray and wipe each and every leaf? This seems highly inefficient. I have proposed purchased another round of beneficial insects but the cost is getting kind of getting out of control and the missus is not so happy the ladybugs just seem to disappear after a few days and the lace wings aren't far behind i have some screens but the holes may be too big and getting on the roof of the greenhouse to install smaller is next to impossible because i need i can't set a ladder up inside the greenhouse anymore also i have yellow sticky cards set up do you have any guidance for me now i'll tell you what i told them and let's go through these pictures real quick and that's why these, first of all, these soap containers are sweet. I like this do-it-yourself soap containers. He's using this drainage pipe. It's probably perforated, I'm assuming, um, but that's just holding. It's giving you that uh, space to have a, uh, a layer of water underneath, and then you can put your uh, soil right above. This is beautiful work, if you ask me. I love it. Um, but once we get to the, this, so these side vents that he has, I told him, just look up the stuff called thrip screen. It's really fine screening that they use in the greenhouse industry and put it on the inside. So when that opens, you know, nothing's coming in or out really. And the same thing up here, you can just run a roll of it across this inside. And that should really help with not only bugs coming in, but keeping your beneficials in your greenhouse as well and not letting them out. But if you guys have any other tips, of course, I'd love for you to share them, but I thought this would be uh, really good for people to see because uh, that's a common issue, especially greenhouses. I think definitely we'll pass that to Matthew first. Yeah, I mean, having the pictures is really helpful. And I definitely agree with everything Spartan has already said, um, you know, specifically with having that, that fine screen, that thrip screen. They call it thrip screen, but, you know, if it works for thrips, it's going to work for a ton of other things because of how small they are. So really, it's, you know, a very specialized insect screen. And, and it's the kind that I often recommend people use. So, um well, I, for start, for starters, I feel like a really fundamental thing about the use of any kind of biocontrol in general um, is that uh, although it's not a bad idea to apply them preventatively, if you don't, if you don't actually see the problem, or, and I, I guess it was a little ambiguous in the email if like he, they, they were just applying it um, generally, like the nematodes and everything, irregardless if they saw any problems. But one way to keep your costs down is to like 
really only apply it in a quick reaction um, to the to a pest that you actually see when you're scouting. So that's one option that's possible for them to do and implement. Um, I would say the the even you know, better way to do it is if you already kind of know round some pests have a season in your local area and that can change also year to year so it's not always perfect but you might be like well i almost always get spider mites in the summertime so i should start applying you know my persimilis mites or whatever i'm going to use um you know the the cost benefit analysis still kind of arcs in your favor that way uh you know that's true for other pests as well so so that's one other thing you could also do um on top of all of that, though, you know, like uh, it's important to know what this, I guess, third is that what pests you're actually dealing with is going to dictate what biocontrols you use. And that's also the thing is that it could be a um, sort of a waste of resources if you don't do that in the first place, because um, there's no uh, guarantee that, um, you know, the target's going to be affected by the biocontrol if you don't actually already know the relationship. So, like, for example, um, could you go back to the, or can you remind me what he applied for the email? I mean, sorry, in the email, <laughs> what he applied for the uh, um, biocontrols. There are several things like lady beetles and nematodes, of course, and yeah. um, predatory mites. Yeah, let me, uh, I'm going to pull that email up again and I'll give you the whole. Rove beetle was another one. I don't Rove think applications. It sounds like the first application was what you were alluding to was kind of like a preventative. And then the second application was, oh shit, I've got an issue and I, I'm going to use them as that. Yeah. And so like, um, yeah, so like, it's just, it's really important to like be targeted in your approach because. He said, oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, go for I was going to say, he said Rove beetles and pirate bugs which i like those oh sure two. predatory mites ladybugs already said lace wings was another one but he was having a problem with the those flyers you know your ladybugs and your lace wings are just gonna fly away eventually and uh yeah more, more nematodes he said but i don't see he just said predatory mites they didn't really get specific there that could be a wide range of different things and targets that's a good point to make actually as well since we're on that because um yeah the predatory mites some predatory mites like i'm want to say is uh they are very generalist whereas other ones are super specific so like your persimilis will only go after spider mites uh californicus will go after spider mites mainly but could also go after some other things and can also subsist on pollen which is kind of neat where yeah. um cucumers and swirsky can also feed on pollen but they'll also feed on things like thrips and white flies and sometimes a little bit of caterpillar eggs sometimes but again i wouldn't rely on them um chiefly for that kind of a thing but um, that kind of knowledge is powerful especially in this greenhouse situation where he's already growing vegetables hey throw a flowering pepper in there you know a nice ornamental pepper in there and some of these predatory mites if you're bringing the right ones in can survive even if there's no pest for them to eat on the pollen of your pepper plant Absolutely. Or like some of the other vegetables, you know, if there's like zucchini, you know, and the zucchini flowers, that's going to be tasty and abundant for the for the mites as well. I'll be honest, I don't actually know, um, you know, off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but I don't, I don't imagine that would be a problem for Swirsky cucumber. Some pollen is actually toxic to some of these predatory mites, but um, I don't think zucchini is one of them. I'll say um, as a warning for the you know, banker plant host concept, I would try and start it from seed if you're able to, because our buddy Hota Herb 
has come on the show in the past and talked about how he went to a nursery and got a, uh, you know, flowering pepper plant. That flowering pepper plant actually came with pests on it that spread to the rest of his garden. So the concept for him was to have it be a banker plant for his beneficials. And I think ultimately it ended up doing that, but he uh, had to fight off. I can't remember what it was that he brought in, but um, starting from seed is a decent way to avoid that potentially. But we're just treating if, like if you bring it in clone. quarantine. Yeah, exactly. Just treat it like a canvas clone and do the same thing you would with a clone. Just quarantine it, dip it, whatever you're going to do. Treat it like it is infected. I agree with that. Um, also, uh, not only could you potentially bring in pests from a location where you buy them, uh, you might also bring in a plant that is uh, got some pesticide already applied to it, potentially. And if that happens, then, you know, you might actually get some sort of a toxic a bad reaction to some of your biocontrols potentially, or at least the predatory mice that I'm talking about. Arias, though, is also the minute pirate bugs. Those will also feed on pollen too. So you can kind of have them subsist a little bit on that. Um, so again, if there was some sort of a toxic residue, like from a neonicotinoid or something like that, which is incredibly, you know, common um, in uh, large, you know, uh, agricultural stores and things like that. So that, that's another thing to consider. Um, so he said he had some cabbage aphids, you know, um, you know, there's a bunch of things that you could use. The lace wing larvae is, is good for them. But like the, the problem that we're dealing with is that there's a, an expense to this. And um, there was also some pests mentioned like leaf hoppers, for example. And the question, it sounds like sort of the, the, the crux of the question is, how do I economically deal with these pests? Do I have to use totally all biocontrols and do I have to go, or, or if you're using a knockdown spray as well, you know, do I have to go in and like, just, you know, just like go after every single thing with a fine tooth comb. And, um, and the answer to that is there's sort of like an economic, you know, injury threshold that you, that you might consider. Um, so what I mean by that is that like some of these pests are going to cause very little damage in comparison to like maybe other pests. So like the leafhoppers, for example, I you know would seriously doubt that you're gonna have a huge problem. Most people that I know who get leafhoppers are, are not gonna really have any problem with them. There are some leafhoppers out there that do transmit some pretty problematic diseases. Um, the glassy wing sharpshooter, for example, is infamous for the, um, Zizella fastidiosa bacteria that causes a bunch of problems like Pierce's disease in grapes, but that's not what we're dealing with here, it sounds like. But in the vast majority of cases, leafhoppers are just going to drink some of the xylem, which is like the water channels from the plant, and um, maybe a little bit of phloem, and that's not that's really it. And uh, they're not going to like build up a huge population like aphids, for example, who might decimate your uh, your your uh, mustards or something if it's like um, yeah. You know, so I've definitely seen that. And in that case, you know, you might want to be more aggressive. And that's when I might use the biocontrols for for those. You know, I might I might it's, I, I might like cut, you know, the nematodes, for example, maybe or I might cut some of these other uh, biocontrols that go after the same thing. Um, if we're of course, again, remember, the context is that we're trying to reduce the um, the amount of expense and also the amount of labor. So a knockdown spray of something that might hurt the aphids and then following up with some biocontrols would be a potential 
thing that you could do. Like with lace wings, um, you could also perhaps utilize some parasitoid wasps that go after the aphids as well. But uh, to be honest, you could very, I mean, I'm a big supporter of biocontrols, but you could just apply a, a knockdown spray and potentially have just as good efficacy like Bavaria bassiana, I guess it's still a biocontrol, right? A biopesticide. So you could apply those as well. Um, Don't underestimate just the power of water. Just straight water will knock a lot of the adult aphids off a fucking plant. And get that's true. That's true. And also, um, I, I guess I could also say that uh, if you are... Um, what was I going to say about that? I think I lost my train of thought. But basically, <laughs> basically... If you do, if you do like a knockdown spray, um, make sure that you're scouting afterwards. You know whether it's a jet of water or whether you're using some something like azadiractin or, or any other number of things that you could be applying. Um, that's kind of a safer compound to use. Oh, I guess that's the other thing is coverage. I guess that kind of goes a little bit without saying, but. Um, yeah, it is important to get that good coverage. Otherwise, you're going to be applying twice, thrice, four times, you know. Um, so it's, it's definitely one of those situations where you want to make sure you hit them hard and you get that good coverage with the appropriate product. And, um, and, that's, and that's important. And then, you know, maybe not even introduce the biocontrols for a while and see how that goes for you. Because it's true, they are expensive. When you have multiple plants going together, different species of plants, one little trick that I've always used in my garden, and then maybe it's like a banker plant in a way, but it's, if I see a certain type of plant that a lot of aphids or a lot of pests are congregating on, I remember that plant. And if I have that problem with that particular pest, I try to remember, okay, next time I'm going to plant some of those plants that I know they like near there. And they'll fucking congregate on that plant and I can just cut that whole fucking plant down or I can burn that plant or I can do whatever I want to, to kill the pest. And then it's just like uh, a decoy. It's like a decoy plant from my, my crop that I want to save. I use that this year, actually. I don't even know what plant it was, but the aphids loved it. And it was a plant that anything time something pops up in my garden, I don't know what it is. I let it grow so I can try to figure out what it is. And this was like some kind of a tree or bush or something that was coming up. But the aphids loved it. So I let the aphids congregate on it until there was a ton of aphids on this thing. And then I burned it down and it felt great. Something yeah, I wanted to. You, oh, go ahead, Tom. I was just going to ask I don't know that much about vegetable gardening, but deleafing the leaves that are heavily infested is a good thing, even though, right? I mean, I'm sure. That's like, not a bad choice at all. Yeah. No, to like start and then, yeah. Yeah, sometimes that's uh, sometimes it's a really good idea, especially and like you know, don't be afraid to squish them. <laughs> you know, manually destroying them, uh, you know, is totally a valid opportunity as well. Also, culling, um, you know, a couple of leaves that have, are a bit of a hot spot. That's, that's totally valid as well. So yeah, the three the three takeaways is um, you know apply the biocontrols at the right time. Make sure you're applying the right ones. Um, in, in a lot of, if you had, if resources weren't a problem, having multiple biocontrols that go after the same target or multiple similar targets is uh, totally cool and, and it's really good for you. But if we're talking about sort of an economic situation, um, then 
you know, maybe get rid of some of that um, uh, redundancy, you know. I think uh, something I wanted to comment, you said some people will do it like two, three or four sprays to get the full coverage. But something I think some people do is like spray once, spray once and just kind of spray and pray, do it one time and hope that they're going to get full coverage or just think like, oh, I went through and it seems like they're spraying a lot of stuff. So it must have covered everything. But um, unless you have a good quality sprayer, like I think Brandon's got a pretty crazy new one. Uh, but that's like a several thousand dollar device or whatever. But um, if you don't have a crazy one, like a standard backpack sprayer, I, the common thing, and I've said this in the past, I think going from the bottom up first and then coming back through at least twice and doing top down to get the bottom of the leaves up and then top of the leaves down. And um, it was funny when you were talking about manual removal and squishing, I kind of had like a, I've been watching a little bit of Beavis and Butthead admittedly. And uh, the moment where he goes like fire, like it came to my head. Spartan used to always in the past be like, just burn them. Just like take out the torch and start burning them off. It's like, I think I, I prefer the manual removal and, and throw it in like a bag or something, seal it up and get it out of there. But uh, fire could be fun and interesting at times. It's hard to escape fire. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty brutal, pretty quick. Hashtag California life. Yeah, we, we can't get away with that as much out here, right? But, That's uh, terrible. That's terrible. Brandon, I want to um, get your input on this uh, IPM matter in greenhouse because I know you've got a lot of greenhouse experience lately and uh, you've got a lot of sprayer experience lately as well. So I'm curious yes. to get your input there. So depending on the size of the job, there is a company which is Petra Tools and they make pretty decent um, tools for they make backpack foggers. They make electric sprayers. Um, I've never had any issues with them and I have a discount code for anybody who's listening. It's a uh, discount code Bokashi, B-O-K-A-S-H-I. I think you get like 10% off. Um, but they, they work real well. I had a backpack sprayer that I used. Um, I also, but now I have, and I have something that basically makes clouds. I can, I can do a 1600 square foot room and have complete coverage over my plants in about five, six minutes. It takes more time to clean. The machine and get it all prepped up than it does to actually physically apply the application um so that's awesome i like my my machine because it uh it's very cost effective from a labor standpoint that was kind of annoying that it takes so much time to like set it up before using it no 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 uh i um what I usually do is I just pre-mix my solution in a five gallon bucket and then I pour it into the hopper. And then, uh, I just shut, I, you know, when I'm done spraying, I pop off my head and I just run clean water through it while it's running. So I can just clean the system out and I just do that maintenance on it. That's the only, the only thing. And it's, it's easy. It's literally just, you know, running water through the machine, making sure that, uh, the filters are clean and stuff like that. It's a good point. And um, I'm curious if anybody else has more thoughts on this question before we get into, I've copied and pasted probably three or four so far into the Zoom chat that I'll start reading off if uh, we don't feel like we have any more to add here. The first question comes from a longtime listener, one of our moderators, Smot Poker in the chat, one of the blue wrenches, great guy, awesome show. But uh, cheers, Smot Poker. They say at Cheap Home Grow. Are there any two beneficial insects that don't do well together in the same tent or environment? This guy throwing everything at it could be, could that be detrimental? 
And I'll give my initial thoughts before I pass it to Matthew. The one thing that stood out to me was green lacewing. I feel like those are pretty, I think the word's voracious. They like to eat like a lot of everything, including themselves. So I think that they might eat other beneficials, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. But I do know certain beneficials don't play nicely together. I don't have the uh, extent of the IPM knowledge like Matthew to just rip them off the top of my head. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to our specialists in this uh, particular domain. So Matthew. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and it's true, like, so the the term for um, this sort of this sort of phenomenon is uh, intraguild predation. So that's when two predators will eat each other as a sort of means of competition. This is sort of an ecological term. So like, for and it's beneficial, you'd think, right? So uh, if two predators eat other kinds of prey, um, or eat the same, rather I should say, they eat the same kind of prey. Uh, it's, it's beneficial for them also if they also kill each other as well, because that makes there going to be less competition for them, you know, in general, moving forward. Um, so a lot of biocontrol agents are tested for this kind of a thing. Um, and there are compatibility tables you can look at from commercial um, entities as well. Uh, people often ask me about this for like predatory mice, for example, are these predatory mice going to like kill each other? And in most cases, most commercial predatory mites are really not going to have that kind of be a problem. Will maybe one adult swirsky eat like a nymph from another predatory mite? Maybe sometimes, especially if there's very scarce food, P perhaps, perhaps. But are you going to really, is it going to make or break your biocontrol program? No, not, not really. Um, lace wings, like you said, uh, you know, and, and many, other, and so, so that's, uh, before I get ahead of myself, so that's intracular predation. Another thing that happens is that like with praying mantises and um, lace wing larvae and some other biocontrols, they are cannibalistic. So um, in nature, you might have a situation where an adult lays a bunch of eggs and you know the larvae sort of develop. Some of them might not develop, or they develop malformed or something like that. And there might not be a whole lot of food, and uh, the larva must might be really hungry. So um, it just decides that it's going to eat some of its brothers and sisters, and that's survival of the fittest. In fact, some caterpillars even do that. Certain insects that are even pestilous that we don't think of as being particularly carnivorous uh, will do this. Um, and yeah, that's I think just... you've said thrips will eat. Was it spider mites? Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, Western flower thrips in particular, some thrips are actually just predatory, believe it or not. And um, but uh, yeah, Western flower thrips, if they were given the chance, they'll eat a lot of spider mite eggs and other sorts of things, which is kind of interesting to think of. So, um, so a lot of pests are more omnivorous or 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 um, I should say uh, opportunistic than we might give them credit for. So with the lace wings and the mantises and things, the problem is that in close proximity, um, that's what's gonna happen is that uh, some of them might eat each other. So that's that's just a thing to, to consider. But um, again, it's it's probably not going to hurt your, um, your biocontrol program all that much, uh, but it might be a little bit wasteful if there's not enough food for them to sustain. And that can get to the point where they're talking about it's getting a little bit expensive to apply. So maybe more specifically applying a lower amount overall, but a greater number of the specific ones that are going to fight the things that they had in their situation, going back to that first question. Um, but 
yeah, they kind of really interestingly related. Uh, first and second question tied kind of hand in hand. And I think it's because Smart Poker is listening as uh, the show is going on. So he asked a good question that related to it. But unless anybody else has more on that, I've got another one from Smoke Your Own. Uh, Tao or Brandon, did you guys have anything you wanted to add to that last question? You know, I was just thinking if there was um, two that uh, don't like each other, you could kind of feed the feed them, feed the one set with the other side if they're cheap enough and keep them around that way too, right? And and if they don't eat them, then they're eating the bad bugs anyway. That's kind of the concept in the sachet. I think sometimes they have feeder mites, like like pretty dead or innocuous bugs that they'll eat on, or like uh, pollen or some feed mold source. Mites. Mold mites. There I would say that most biocontrols are really um, cheap enough for that to be viable for most people, right. but. But it's a good point with the feeder mites. Support. Yeah, it's an interesting concept that they do. I mean, it's a living thing, so it has to eat. And in that regard, it can, uh, you know, sustain on something. Ideally, something a little bit cheaper um, would be a good thing. So I want to go ahead and jump over to a non-IPM related question for a little bit. Smoke Your Own asks, or actually, Brandon, did you have any uh, thoughts on that last one before we get going on to the next question? No, go ahead. Okay, cool. Smoke Your Own says, can you tell me what nutrient causes the center leaf, and it says in parentheses, on new growth to twist? The center leaf on new growth to twist. What nutrient, or what, what causes that in your guys' opinion? I'll pass it first to you, Brandon. Okay, so usually when somebody's asking a question about a specific nutrient, they it's it doesn't it, it doesn't really work like oh this is going to do one thing when it comes to fertilization we're talking about uh something that happens on a cellular level and we're talking about you know uh, cellular biomechanics and it's not going to be like oh you know this nutrient is going to make this do this or this is going to make this it's usually a collection uh, of different things, you know, like you, you have to look at these systems holistically. So, um, twisting leaves, uh, that could be a combination of pH in your soil. It could be a, it could be nutrition, like too much of like nitrogen, depending on the twist in the leaf, if it's the leaf and it's curling down, or if it's the actual leaf and it currently twisting sideways, twisting can be caused by, um, insect damage like broad mites, um, there, you know, environmental parameters like uh, temperature and humidity can cause it, uh, fans blowing on something too hard. I mean, there's so many, I mean, just, it's, pH? <laughs> just off pH can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it, there's so many different things. It's not just, it, it's root not damage. If you damage yeah. roots, overwatering, underwatering, or if you like damaged it during a transplant that can cause stuff to have twisted and weird growth, but pH is the main one I would think of. But like Brandon just mentioned, there's probably 30 things. So it would be one of those things that it's, uh, if you're still with us, smoke your own, if we could ask some questions back, like what is your pH? Um, and then generally, like, do you test your soil? Or if you're growing in cocoa, do you know your EC? Uh, like what nutrient line are you using? Because some of them are better balanced than others. Uh, I just saw a breakdown that like showed like the stages of growth and the different recommendations for different nutrient lines. And it is actually kind of eye-opening because they're not all just kind of copying the same formula. Um, like Jack's three, two, one was like a pretty stable all the way across kind of the thing. And then some of them were like up, down, up, down, up, down. And um, then there were some that like spiked up, went down, kind of stayed flat and then like spiked or dipped at the very end. 
So it's interesting to, I should try, probably try and go find that post. Um, but Oh, I know who that is. It's from, uh, so I talked to him. He's a retired analyst. Brian 420 IPM or something. I asked him to come on the yeah. show because he actually he said, said, thank you for sharing. I was um, sharing one of his posts about the cost per gallon of different nutrient lines, but he was the same person who analyzed the different breakdowns. I'll actually go and pull it up from his Instagram, uh, but I'll let you guys continue to wax. But uh, I'll ask Tao, what do you think comes to mind when you see twisting leaf? Uh, and I'll yeah. just reread that question again. It says, can you tell me what causes, what nutrient causes the center leaf on new growth to twist? Yeah, like like Brandon was saying and everybody else is uh, reiterating, there's many factors that could cause that, but there's a few things that are in that. First, he's asking about nutrient deficiency. So maybe he believes all the other parameters are in check. Second, it's at the tip new growth. So that could be, I think it might be a born deficiency could cause that. Or, you know, like, uh, uh, even I, I think iron makes them turn yellow, but the fact that it's only at the tips is indicated, indicating that it's, um, you know, that, that helps a little bit in the diagnosis. Not that I could tell you what it is, but, uh, it's not sucking up from the old stuff. So it, it, it's probably not a mobile nutrient, right? I think that well, it's on the top of, so that means it's new it's, it's in the new growth and yeah like what so, you're saying i in the back of my head it's like when they when the person in the questions brings up nutrients that's the first thing i think is okay they just fed it something and they think it's their that fault. could be right right and then so then that i go instantly to you overfed it and now it's out of it's, it's locking each other out on right on ph or something it just sucks it's or so just hard there's so EC. many variables there's right? so much yeah. you see oftentimes yeah. people are yeah. more on gardeners and i'm not calling you a moron but they like to put more things on to their garden so they'll top dress they'll add a nutrient they'll do more calmag because like that's literally a meme because like Brandon kind of alluded to, people will think that it's just a little nutrient deficiency. Like, oh, I just need more CalMag, and then it'll stop the twisting, or it'll stop the yellowing, or it'll stop this. Or He's do that magic and thing. you know, He's outdoor, outdoor soil. He's virus, and they don't recommend the pH. He says it could be a virus. It could be broad mites, especially if it's outside. Who knows what what else is around? But that, like, if it was a big plant, I would take the tip off and go under a microscope straight away and just look around, see if there's anything alive on it, and then. Uh, yeah, but that's it's hard to diagnose because there is so many factors and the pH off is off. That would show nutrient deficiencies of all sorts when there might be abundant nutrients, you know? Yeah, yeah. Adding so, some microbes yeah. sometimes could even just make more stuff available <laughs> that might make it be able to get back into being a healthy plant. And one thing, um, sorry, I sort of lost my train of thought a little bit. I was kind of going down the towel. What were you just? Yeah, microbes. I think microbes, you know, labs that someone has. I was reading up on this KNF lab stuff and they call it the micro police where they'll actually help with certain kinds of issues like that, where there's lockout with nutrients for whatever reason, supposedly these labs can help, uh, you know, unlock stuff for plants. So yeah, I would suggest if he thinks it's night um, nutrient, then get some beneficial microbes in the soil too. Kind of hurt, kind of hurt. Yeah. And it could just be like, you know, yeah. he's saying sometimes. that he's outdoor soil and he's using earth juice. So I am, I'm not familiar with earth juice to, to comment on it, but usually that's advanced nutrients, organic line, I believe. Okay. I'm not a hundred percent, but it might just be yeah, the, the, the nutrient from that earth juice might've been right. pushing too much on one side. I would just water it with straight water for a while 
and, and remove the leaves that are problem leaves right now. And that's going to give you a real easy way to come back out in a couple of days and see if it's the problem is continuing or if it's gone away because you've removed the leaves that are doing it. I'm assuming that it's only a few top leaves and not a lot of the plant when I say this, <laughs> but you can remove those leaves, just take them off right now. And uh, that'll be easy to see the next couple of days if, you get, if you're getting any more. And um, one thing I wanted to say earlier was it's good to go through like a, a list of things and cross them off. Of like, is this present or is this not present? Because if there is pH issues, that's one set of things. If there is pests, that's another set of things. If there was like high winds or something last night, your plant was blowing all around. There are different sets of circumstances. So if you could say like, no, it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that. You can actually narrow it down and be like, okay, maybe it was something that I put into the soil and messed up the nutrients of some capacity now i agree with spartan oftentimes just giving it water and like waiting and seeing and plucking the damaged or messed up leaf to let the new growth try and have a better chance to grow in healthy because he that'll show that. you if you're just giving water over and over that maybe it's either still too hot or something else is going on that needs further investigation he says that they do straighten out after a few days so yeah i would think that there's something in that nutrient that's a little off balance the combination of that nutrient and what's already in your native soil too you have to remember you kind of just, most people were are just kind of, I'm assuming here that you didn't do a soil test. So you're probably just kind of guessing what's in that soil to begin with. And then you're adding more to it. And maybe there's just a little imbalance there, but when you, you know, let it go a few days and you get just straight water through there and it can balance right back out and the microbes do their balancing act. Um, you're okay. I really wouldn't worry too much about it as long as they straighten out and everything looks good. The other thing is hormones can do kind of freaky things. So if like, oh. I know kelp does weird stuff to the leaves and like earth juice might have some sort of hormones in there that are making the leaves twist and curl and grow in awkward ways. Uh, that Yo, maybe... I was just going to say, depending on the strain, like that new growth, the very, when they're really small, kind of look twisted and fucked up, but they're just little, you know, I don't know if he's how familiar he is with, Cause yeah, yeah, I know I, what you're talking about like the baby I mean? growth. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a healthy plant. It's just that yeah, that baby growth looks weird. It's growing like fast it, and they're still super yeah, thin and like just barely yep. spurting out of the. Uh, yeah, yep. The top I hope sheets. that's that would be great if that's all it was, but he it seems like he knows that something's uh, amiss, you know. So yeah. So here's that post I was just talking about, Brian, 4:20 p.m. He said that he will come on the show, uh, but like next month sometime. So I just wanted to show this off as kind of a teaser. This is mega crop kind of looking at seed stage versus veg week one, veg week two, veg week three, veg week four, uh, et cetera, up to veg week six, and then flower one through flower nine. And then I'm going to click over and you'll see a few different, uh, here's Floriflex. As you can see, like it's not uh, straight across the board, like Jack's, this is a lot more uniform. And then we've got uh, GH Flora, which um, I believe Dr. MJ, is a GH fan. And here's GH4 Pro, which looks more like the JX, if you ask me, more consistent. Uh, Athena blended. And I think that there's Athena Pro. That's the last one. So they also go ahead and give the cost per gallon, which I'll show here. GH4 Pro being one cent. Uh, I think it's per gram, actually. Sorry. And then Jack's 321 being one cent. Mega Crop being two cents. Um, Personally, I see it's on people get great results with Jack's 321. Floriflex also see a lot of people getting great results, but it's cool that he actually broke it down the uh, cost, what you're actually paying for and what you're actually getting and shows you how it's broken down. But just curious uh, if the panel has thoughts in this in general and um, 
I could stop sharing screen or I could keep it up and flip back and forth if you guys want to reference either one. I saw Brandon on the last post actually was commenting like, none of these are cannabis here. It says none of these look like how cannabis should be fed. Boom. Yeah, none of them do. They're absolutely totally wrong on every single one of those charts. As far as the nutrient companies are concerned, they don't have enough agronomic data to be able to create data sets because I mean, I would, I would be hard pressed to, to find out that these people are running actual agronomic tests where they're testing um, nutrient analysis, either tissue or sap test, because that's how you would approach this from like, a, like hydroponic nutrients. You'd be feeding the plant and you'd have a target level that you have for tissue and you would see exactly how much of what you need in what balance to reach those targets. And I can almost guarantee you none of that's been done because if that was done, that would be reflected on those graphs. And what I do, that's what I do. That's like the analytics that I do is I graph out the nutrient profiles for cannabis. And those graphs are completely wrong. And it's because none of these nutrient companies are doing the type of agronomic analytics that need to be done to develop the right type of plant nutrition for cannabis. So I have a question for you because like looking at Jax 321, they've been around for a very long time and they do work with like a lot of ag other than just cannabis. They are selling stuff to people to grow their corn and their uh, tomatoes and everything else. And they look the most similar to the GH Flora Pro. And mm -hmm. to me, at least from like a logic standpoint, like if they just keep a low enough EC and provide a basically stable amount of everything, they're given sort of like the buffet kind of from an organics yeah. perspective. I think you just give it a little bit of everything at a low enough level that you're not going to give too much, not going to give too little, but you're constantly providing all of it. Like you see here with Jax, and then you go that's, over GH4 kind of. That's what you're seeing with, if you go back to the Jax, you see that steady nutrient profile. Yeah, you know, fixed. where it has that dip right at the end, like that is more appropriate than anything else. However, the way that I approach things in soil are differently, you know, because I do front loading. So my calcium, my nitrogen are going to be higher in the front. My iron is going to be higher in the front. And then things like manganese are going to are going to go higher in in veg. And then potassium is going to be higher and so you'll see it, my, what my graph would look like would be different from that. But like you said, if you're just trying to create a complete overall profile, that's kind of balanced. That's what that's showing. It's saying, hey, this is consistent. At least this nutrient profile is consistent. Even if it's not right, it's still consistent. You know what I mean? And that you can work with consistency. Plants adjust too. They definitely, it's like a Spartan says in the past, it's kind of like a kid. They really like consistency, even if it's like a little too hot in the room, if it's consistently too hot, it'll kind of adjust and get used to it. Or if this nutrient formula, maybe it's not a perfect thing, but if you're providing kind of a little bit of everything and you're getting it in there, it'll kind of figure out a way to make it work. Like you'll see hemp growing wild and feral. It's not going to be the best stuff, but it can survive off basically nothing. So if you yeah. get it into a nutrient range, that's decent and you consistently provide that sort of a, you know, food or nutrient availability, then it can provide a moderate level of success. But I think getting to the specifics that you have at your fingertips, Brandon, is uh, very awesome that you can, you know, week by week go and do the tissue analysis and then give target things based on what you're seeing, because I think yeah. that's going to be the most accurate. Um, these people are trying to sell a product across a really general market, and they can't specifically make those claims for people because somebody in Florida is going to be some different than somebody in Maine. Um, because their climates are different and you know how much, you know, there's a lot of variables that play into it, but 
it's interesting to see for sure. And I want to pass it to uh, Spartan and see if you have any questions or comments about any of the uh, graphs shown here, or if you want me to go into the uh, cost side of it at all. No, no, actually the, the cost side of thing is, is the curious thing to me because I mean, that's, yeah, sure. That's the MSRP, but not a lot of people pay the MSRP, <laughs> uh, especially when you get into commercial side of things a lot of time you're not paying anywhere near the msrp so those costs are completely different at a large scale so this might reflect at the home scale at least as far as cost goes but even then i mean there's so many deals when you buy in bulk that this could probably be adjusted quite a bit is there any particular one that you think is cheaper than it's being represented? Like I can think like, uh, man, I see I people giving out deals for things all the time on I Instagram. Could, man, I could tell you stories. <laughs> I could tell you stories that most of those on the list you can get for absolutely free. If you're big enough, if you have a big enough following, if you, you can get for absolutely free. Oh yeah. They'll sponsor you. They'll send yeah. like gallons and gallons and gallons. I just saw a shout out to my buddy Smokey. He's always testing different nutrients and, if you're a home grower, I mean, talk about no cheaper home grow way to go than to get a full set of nutrient. Hey, I'm going to test it out, see how it goes. And like most of them work, he grows tank with all of them, but he just gets, and Eagle has done that too. He's tried like 30 different nutrient lines. He's had success with pretty much all of them. So once you figure it out, I think that a lot of them can be very successful, but uh, it's just the truth of it right there. It, it, a lot, I mean, you'll be able to be successful. You can dial in just about any of them. It's just a matter of finding the one that works for you and your situation. And what's available, I guess, too. Um, sometimes the stuff is like, I know some people only have access to mega crop because maybe they're only going to go to like Home Depot or whatever. And that's what they carry at their local place. But I think that a lot of people have access to like maybe organic sides they might not be aware of. If you go to Home Depot, they have compost, they have worm castings, they have, uh, you know, Canadian sphagnum peat. So you can literally mix up your own soil if you felt so uh, compelled to, or even just buy like bag soil and then mix it up with some BioLive and other amendments. But there's so many ways to approach it and you can find success with many of them, but I want to pass it to um, the American one and ask if you have any thoughts on these posts here. And uh, if you want me to go to either the charts on any of the specific nutrients, or if you want to bring up the cost side of things. Um, now at the, I was just have a question at the end where they all go down nothing. Are they, is that for a flush? Are they, do they all recommend a flush? I'm pretty sure. And uh, we actually have a, a, a question regarding flush that we're going to get to. Okay. In a bit. Um, yeah, I always wondered because, like, but Brandon knows better. Like, I always think how plants are just in the soil, and there's not much change in that soil over. Well, I guess there is some change, but you know, it's not like someone's coming along and adding all different nutrients every uh, time the plant changes its physiology. So I've grown in super soil where. It's like basically set it and forget it, and the plants did very well. So I'm I'm uh I'm leaning towards if you get the right mix, you, you'll do all right. And if you don't, you know, over uh over apply anything in particular, like you guys were mentioning earlier, you should be all right. But um, I also know that like for the expense of it, you could just go get um powdered nutrients from like a wholesale farming supply that has the right ratio in it and and it'll be pennies on the dollar and it'll be the same nutrients so i mean that's basically what jacks is people buy 50 that's what jacks is, sequence. Yeah. <laughs> sequence has like a 50 pound bag of like two different things that he's used for the past 
several years. I don't even think he's come close to finishing it. He closed he out. Pretty yeah. decent size the shadow red he's in chat talking about. Yeah, he's been oh yeah, growing it for another Jacks through two. He was making a good point too. He's like, you know, he doesn't you have to remember too that you know a lot of people aren't using the recommended dosing rates as well. So like he's he's he was saying that he uses a half of what was represented in the graph. So right, that was the other point. He also doesn't water to run. I think he he waters like so he keeps a really low EC and just keeps them moist the whole time, if I remember correctly, and doesn't ever do runoff with pots. It was very minimal. Very minimal runoff. Yep. Yep. So that would allow him to get away with even less, and you're basically making it even more cost effective. Talking about one that's already coming down to seventy five pounds for one hundred and sixty two dollars. That's one cent per gram of K. Uh, is the measurement there, the, the calcium, magnesium, and sulfur. Um, yeah, I was going to say a lot of people use that stuff for half strength or not, definitely not full strength anyway. I don't recommend full strength for something. If you look at the bottom of the list, advanced experience, even though per gram or whatever, uh, I think like a quarter strength for that stuff. They recommend really, really high doses. And I think people get in trouble with high EC really when they start growing with advanced nutrient. It's got one of the most sexy models. It's one of the higher cost ones. So if you go to a hydro store, it's often pushed for growers because they get a lot of places. And so they'll sell nutrient bottle line when uh, it's going to make them more money and might not be the best thing for you. Um, some of these other ones are also looking kind of on the expensive new millennium. I see pushed on, I think Adam Dunn show, but Barton said he gives a bunch of discount codes there. So if you're getting it at a percent price, then that 22 cents goes to 11 cents and you could probably get even cheaper if uh, you start even more of the reason to start your own grow page. Cause then, uh, even if you Absolutely. feel like a thousand followers, pretty easy to do uh, just following people typically care how many you follow ratio or whatever. So as soon as you have a big enough following, they seem. Yeah, and then Smartbroker brought up in chat that this is just the veg phase hasn't even started to begin to factor and bloom, and then you have all the additives that a lot of people like to get into too. It can get really crazy. Even with Jack's, it's a great point. The bud boosters, the biggest like cons in the cannabis world, they push people buy just more bottles and more bottles to trick them into thinking that they're going to get a superior buy buying a fancier, larger set. And Brandon. to some extent, I, I like separating it for the control because like if you just want nitrogen, you can just get nitrogen. Or if you just want, you can just get in like organic brands about using like uh, mineral inputs like that where he just gets a specific, so we can, I need, I'm going to give like the, I can, or if I need uh, calcium, I'm going to give the purest calcium I can, where like gypsum is more and sulfur. So, it just really comes down to what you're trying to do. There's a whole bunch of different options as we kind of always allude to, but yeah, sorry, Tao. No, I didn't. I was just going to ask Brandon if he would, uh, if he has a, uh, you know, like an MPK ratio that he believes is best for cannabis, if he would reveal it or if he doesn't feel comfortable revealing it because it's some magic. Well, what is that? What it looks like is potassium well, has. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Before you say anything, I, my guess was like around 511.27-ish. That's what I mean, MPK, straight up. Uh, it's not like, it's not really like that. And the, and the reason right. why is because there's something called 
nutrient use efficiency. So if you're looking at a bottle of, of nutrients and it has, you know, 10, 10, 10, and it's not, you know, let's say it's a hydroponic nutrient it says 10, 10, 10, only 10%, maybe 10, 15% of that 10% is going to be bioavailable because as soon as you put it in water, it's, it's going to react. And not all of it. Some of those minerals are going to be like chelated, like iron is usually chelated, EDTA chelated. Um, but, but the issue is that you're not getting that full, you know, 10 or 15% of whatever's in that bottle. You're getting a very, very small quantity. If it's 10%, it's something like, you know, 0.002% of, of that is plant you know, available product, product is, is going to make it actually into the plant. And so nutrient use efficiency is something to look at. And that's, I mean, that's why I use the humate fertilizer because when we're looking at like the humate fertilizer that Dr. George developed, it's not only the micronutrients that are chelated, but all the macronutrients as well. So the nitrogen is carbon chelated, the potassium is carbon chelated and the phosphorus is carbon chelated. And so it's like when you put something like that into a system and it has a 90, you know, a 96% nutrient use efficiency, you get a lot more of what's in there into the system. So when to answer your question, though, what I'm looking at specifically is um, the mineral nutrition in, in its exact quantity on saturated paste. So if I am taking my saturated paste and I'm meeting these specific targets, you know, like my veg target, for instance, you know, I want to have 200 parts per million of, of calcium. I want to have about 42 uh, parts per million of magnesium. And I want to have the equivalent of calcium and magnesium in, in potassium. So if my calcium's 200, my magnesium's 45, my potassium should be 245, right? And it, it has a lot to do with the, the fact that um, the way that the cations disassociate into solution from either clay colloid or the surfaces of organic matter, you have two divalent cations, which are your, um, your magnesium and your calcium. And so they'll displace two potassium because potassium is monovalent. And so the way that it works is on a binding site that holds one calcium, it can hold two potassiums. And so when you're exchanging and there's that exchange that's kind of like happening, you want to make sure that enough potassium is going to fall into solution, but it's balanced with, with the calcium and magnesium. And then we're also looking at. That's the fucking hard part right there. That right there, when you're balancing those minerals that are antagonistic to each other. It's, it's not too difficult. It's like, I just want to throw fucking potassium at that point. I just want, I was like, fuck calcium. I just want to put potassium well, in there. And, and here's, and that's, and, but that's, that's the beauty of it, right? Because if you do that's the right. nutrition part right, you can do that. And what that looks like is front loading that calcium in your vet, in your veg, getting the calcium really high because calcium isn't mobile. So what's going to happen is if you have a bunch of material on the bottom, it's going to try to fill up what it can at the bottoms first. And so you might not be getting a sufficient amount to the tops of the plant where it needs it. But if you front load all of your calcium, get all your calcium in your plant, it's going to be so much easier to push your potassium when you switch because you're not adding any more calcium into the flower. You're, you're just 
letting it, you know, kind of deplete. But you start with an amount to where even though that depletion is going to happen, you're never going to fall deficient as far as the numbers and tissue go. That's kind of like a super soil concept in, in theory is what we would hope is you kind of load it up and then it's going to let it ride all the way through and you can just sort of go water only unless you're seeing something like if yeah, you're in a small it, pot. That's that, I mean, that's exactly what I do because we have a target that you start at and your nutrition is like, okay, this is where the nutrition should look like. And then everything is balanced in that soil. That's what I do. Every time that I reset after I harvest the, the mineral top dress that I put in there, with the meals and the minerals, they're based off of that a specific target that I know that if I put that down, my plant is going to have, you know, a healthy harvest. Uh, and then look, I could do water only with, with this, you know, if I'm monitoring my, you know, my soil and my tissue. However, it's when I use the combination of the biological crop steering techniques, you know, implementing things like the bacillus subtilis, trichoderma, and veg to help increase that iron, because iron's a photosynthetic nutrient. And what I mean by that is that it's, um, it's part, it, it's needed for the production of chlorophyll. It's not part of the actual molecule, but it's responsible for some of the metabolic processes for, with the enzymes that create chlorophyll. And then the humate fertilizer, what that does is it's the bi biological stimulant. It's a, it, it adds a carbon chelation type of element. And it also is packed with the metabolically available nutrition that can really just kind of, you know, help push the production. I have a question that's related, I guess, uh, sort of to that in talking about flush and then uh, mentioning sulfur in the form of potassium sulfate or magnesium sulfate. So Darth Messiah says at Cheap Home Grow during flush, would adding sulfur in the form of potassium sulfate or magnesium sulfate enhance flavor slash smell? And if so, which would be better? And I'll pass that, I guess, back to Brandon. Yes. So typically I'm looking at sulfate on my saturated paste and I see that the optimal range is usually around 60 to 80 ppm. And cannabis is an oil producing plant and it really, really likes sulfur for terpene and oil production. Um, but the downfall of sulfur is this, it's an anion, which means it has a negative charge, which means it will reduce your pH. That's one of the things that you have to consider about um, sulfate. The other that you have to consider is that if you get too much sulfate in your system, you can cause a lot of osmotic stress. And so what happens is higher amounts of sulfur in your soil, when your soil dries back, drastically increases your, your EC. And so if you have young plants or plants that can't tolerate that type of stress, that's when you typically see like the yellowing at the tips of the leaves. Um, but if you want to increase your sulfur, first of all, you kind of want to know where you're at. So I always recommend soil testing, but both potassium sulfate and magnesium sulfate are going to be adequate. But typically in the organic systems, we're not really even worried about sulfur or sulfate because we already use 
mineral amendments like gypsum and magnesium sulfate and potassium sulfate. So the sulfur is most likely going to already be there. In most cases, what I actually see is that sulfur is sufficient in the systems. And oftentimes what I'll do is instead of using something like gypsum or uh, potassium sulfate, I'll switch those out for a silica. It has a silica base instead of uh, a sulfate base. So I'll use calcium silica. Gypsum is calcium sulfate. Wollastonite is um, calcium silica. So you can use that if the, to mitigate high sulfur. And then same thing with potassium um, silicate. Uh, the potassium silica can be used as a potassium input when or if the sulfate is too high in soil. All right. So uh, we just shared the link to the Zoom to the live chat out there. So if you would like to join, it is live and it's using Zoom streaming onto YouTube for anybody who's not familiar. Anybody that we're familiar with, with a name we would recognize is welcome. So if we start seeing random names, I'm not just going to let them in. But if you have a name that uh, corresponds to your chat name, or if you're going to join, you can message and tag at Cheap Home Grow and say, hey, I'm going to join the Zoom under this name. And if I recognize you, then we'd be happy to add you onto our conversation. We're going to keep on going through Q&A, though. So it's not going to be like a guest takeover. So continuing, I guess, on that question about flush, I wanted to ask uh, first the American one and then Spartan Grown, what they think about the question, and I'll repeat it one more time. During flush, would adding sulfur in the form of potassium sulfate or magnesium sulfate enhance flavor slash smell? And if so, which one would be better? Tao. I would say, I, like like Brandon was saying, get your soil tested, and we don't know, but at, at the end of flower, potassium couldn't hurt if, it, you know, if he's a little low, so I would go with that. But I'm basically pretty much all organic. I don't add anything to my water uh, except beneficials every now and then pretty much and maybe some uh, earthworm castings. So like, I'm not like nematode beneficials or like microbes? Microbes, yeah, microbes. Um, and even then, I'd like, I try and just leave everything at, at near the end and, you know, but, but yeah, so I'm, I'll uh, stop by saying that. I'm not the expert. But if I had to choose, and he has, those are the only two options, I would probably choose the potassium, and I wouldn't use a little bit. And um, I know sulfur definitely aids in the uh, terpene, uh, you know, bringing out the terpenes in one way or another. So I hear a lot of yeah. people recommend using like Epsom salt, maybe towards then, because I think there's a little bit of sulfur in Epsom salt. I could be wrong on that. But uh, that's what he's meaning by the magnesium sulfate. That's oh, okay. Yeah. 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 But typically, uh, typically what I've seen too is just across the board when it comes to uh, soil analytics with the people I work with, especially people who are kind of new to it, potassium is always deficient. Potassium is a nutrient that's used in greater abundance than anything else for this plant. Potassium is used in higher amounts than nitrogen, calcium. I mean, it is, think about this, the amount of, uh, you know, magnesium and calcium are considered secondary, not primary nutrients. But calcium, my target is 200 ppm in veg. Magnesium is like 45, you know, 45 all the way up to 70, depending on the size of the plant, you know. And so, and so uh, to get that amount of potassium, you're usually are going to have to be using something like potassium sulfate because um, there's not a lot of 
amendments out there, meals or anything else that contain high, high enough uh, levels of potassium to really get the, like the production into like, you know, a lot of these, especially these modern day hybrids, man, they, they eat a lot of potassium. So the lights too, I think the lights are creating a demand on the plants, the new LEDs and stuff. It, they're really cranking and making the so plants cool. able to produce more. But so uh, I don't this, want to drag this, this question too, out, this but I have, a, I have a question for you, Brandon. Now I'm more concerned with the timing of this and in most organics, or at least my thinking or in organics, I, I have very few things that I can put down in the last week that's going to even be available to the plant in my thinking in that week. So at what point are you wasting money by, by putting, you know, putting any additives in towards the end? That's kind of my thinking on a, just on the money side of things is like, why so, are we feeding towards the end? If the plant's not even going to utilize this, I'm not going to see it. You know, well, am I going to see a tangible it, benefit? So when it comes to a lot of the meals for organics, there is some water solubility for some of those. And usually you can just read the label to find out how much of that is water soluble. But when we're talking about something like soybean meal, blood meals, uh, bone meals, those typically don't take longer than three weeks to be completely, you know, broken down in these soils. Um, that is meals though. When we're talking about mineral sulfates, like gypsum, Epsom salt, potassium, uh, will last the night or any type of these other types of minerals, depending on, you know, whether they're micronized, they're, you know, their particulate size, uh, they're, they're pretty immediately available. Um, but I'm not, I'm never chasing deficiencies. You don't want to be chasing deficiencies. You want to be, you want to be proactive about things. So making sure that like me, I, I have, when I, my feeding regimen looks like this. Let me just back up here. I do a top dress at the beginning of a run when I, like either right at transplant or whatever. So I'll test my soil right before I harvest, get it to the lab, get my results back. I'll top dress right after I harvest. And then I'll put all my plants in there. And I know that there's enough nutrition for, you know, depending on the target that I set it at. I mean, I don't want to load it up too heavy to where I cause stress on small plants, but I started at a reasonable target. And then I know where my target should be for flower. Like I know I need to have this much of this for a 10 week period or an eight week period. And so what I do is right. I test once again, I do two tests, one to reset and then one at flower. So that way I can make sure the soil is sufficient for that, for the rest of that time period, it's balanced. And I can also make the slight adjustments that I like to make for that, that, that change. Um, and it's, it's, it's a quick question. Patient about potassium and somebody said what about banana peels i know like some people like ferment fermented plant juices and i think like a banana peel is high in potassium so would something like that be a way to get potassium in there it's like a more organic option and and it's always funny because these i the way that i cultivate i want people to understand too that it's a split system there's different things that are going to be done in agronomic systems as opposed to these peat-based systems but these high these peat-based these peat-based systems that I use, uh, if you go and start doing a bunch of fermented plant extracts and stuff like that, like, and that was your regular feeding regimen, 
you would need to first, you'd have to do a lot more analytics because you would need to know what the nutrient makeup of that ferment looks like. So that way, like you're not like, you could be high on nitrogen and then adding, thinking you're adding, oh, I'm adding a bunch of potassium in there with these banana peels. But how much of that is, 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 you know, nitrogen? How much of that is maybe something that you, you maybe already have a sufficient amount of, you know? So if we're looking at soils that are like, this could in theory work uh, if you had, you know, these peat-based soils with really, really low PPM of soluble nutrients, you know, like let's say I run my stuff at, you know, uh, 10 to 12, um, you know, for nice veg plants. And then I can pump them up, you know, all the way up to like, you know, 14, 15 for real big, heavy, uh, you know, plants going into flower. Um, if you were to keep your, uh, total solubility of nutrition low, then in theory, you could kind of like dump stuff in there and it, and it will work until something gets seriously out of balance. Right. Until like, yeah, your it's hard to control that breakdown starts though. going up. It's hard to control One of the biggest belief. things I see in with the, with ferments and stuff like that. And like when you're adding a shitload of freshly composted anything, um, biomass wise, it oftentimes will bring in like a lot of chloride and a lot of sodium. Oh. And so that's one of the things that could be antagonistic. And so, dude, it's just, it is so complex because so you're also on, adding in biology. <laughs> so you're causing temporary, you're causing temporary pH fluctuations where you're going to get like high, high solubility of manganese, right? Your pH drops, your manganese skyrockets. Manganese is going to have an antagonistic uh, relationship with iron. And if you're in veg, you don't want your manganese higher than your iron because then that's going to start uh, slowing down the plant to be able to produce chlorophyll and photosynthesize and so there's like it's 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 such a delicate balance and so being able to control things from a single input or if you have an input that you that's tested and you know exactly how much of what it is that you need to supplement everything in there yeah because like you were talking about um and this is a kind of funny comment but it really does go well with our conversation georgia grow guy says the inca used to add potassium to their plants by wringing it from the still beating heart of their living human sacrifice. Totally unacceptable in today's vegan society. That made me laugh, but it also made me think about the concept that a lot of blood meals are used still to this day in gardening. And what Brandon said, that so many people don't talk about other than like the song Medication by Damien Marley, where he talks about like sativas don't need too much sodium is sodium. Who the fuck talks about sodium? There's a lot of sodium in blood. That's one of the downsides is it has a shit ton of sodium, uh, depending on which animal you're getting it from. But yeah, it adds a lot of sodium to the soil. And that's you have one to of be careful about, about blood meals too, because they can be fucking high in heavy metals. That's another you good know? point. That's why you must bloodlet yourself and only do one pint a week diluted in a gallon of water. So now I know why where Tao's uh, watermelon smell is coming from in this plant. I guess it's the, the blood, the human blood, well, you know. Let's not go down this path. My Makes mind's in dark places. Blood, sweat, and tears, guys. It's <laughs> my babies. Oh. Absolutely. Well, Terp it's Synthesizer says on a non, maybe it will go back to blood, but they say uh, with Jack and Spartan, do either of you have any additives that you like to add to the reservoir of your sub-irrigated planters? 
Um, I've said it in the past and it's not a shameless plug because I actually use it and like it, but uh, Bokashi Earthworks has the Micro Plus and I like to put that in there. If not just water, uh, that's the one thing I like to put in there is uh, Micro Plus. Yep. Hey, and if anybody, uh, I'll, I'll Pepsi challenge any other micro uh, uh, product on the market to fresh out of the bottle, take that stuff and put it under a microscope and see the, the living viability, you know, because I've had, I, I didn't do it myself. Right. I had other people that were like, oh, I'm going to try this. And um, I've gotten great results from people who have, because, you know, I want to second the uh, micro plus also same place, get the uh, amino acids in there. That's a really good fucking, that's a pro tip right there. Even on the organic side. Yep. Yep. I mean, amino acids is the ultimate is like the ultimate biohack. I think it's like a sneaky nitrogen. You can get it in there without fucking up the rest of the plant. Like we were talking about earlier. You don't have to add a blood meal. You can just go with that amino based. It's uh, like a organic, it's like organic crop steering. We'll put it like that. That's how it feels for sure. You can like almost instantly like that week, you know, you're saying like, Oh, it's a little light on nitrogen. I could hit it. And then it just kicks it right up where it needs to be. So here, think about, think about this, right? So, um, when you're adding the amino acids, right, you get the nitrogen biohack, which is basically, you know, those, those, uh, amino acids, L-chain amino acids, they're metabolically available. The plant can utilize them, right. And they're already in a complex form. So what'll happen is the nitrogen has to use metabolic energy to convert the ammonium into amino acids. And then those are converted into proteins. So you get to skip that step. That's a whole biological process that requires energy from the plant. So you skip that. That's one of the benefits. But the other benefit is that because amino acids are already a complex carbon uh, compound, when you add that carbon into the system, the biology can also sequester that those amino acids and use that carbon for energy. So you're going to stimulate the biology and which is going to improve, you know, chelation processes that are going to be naturally happening, carbon chelating processes that are going to be naturally happening in the soil. You're going to need the biohack and the biostimulant. So it's, it's like more than just a biohack. It is one of like the, the best possible things. And I, and I personally think that amino acids have been underrated in all of agriculture and it's like it's one of the like the miracles of modern day you know i love the i love your amino acid too brandon how it's like it's like like lab grade it's like a fucking sand it like dissolves almost instantly in the water it's just fucking i like it it almost has like a cocoa smell like the powder it almost smells like a to me like a hot chocolate or something but it's like it's really good but and you know, the cool thing is, I'm gonna be, I'm actually gonna be wholesaling, you know, bulk amendments too. So I'm waiting. The labels are finally getting finalized. It's been a long process for Bokashi Earthworks, um, but the the website will be all relaunched, and then we're gonna have our soil listed on there. We have, I have freight shipping now. Like I can do less than truckload freight, so I can ship pallets of microbes, fertilizers, soils. I can do bulk soil deliveries like I've been doing. Hell yeah. um, and, awesome. and so I've been doing that. I just haven't been telling people because it's not listed on the website and I don't want to overrun myself because my schedule is already pretty full <laughs> with like oh, doing orders and stuff like that. So, but you know, within the next eight weeks and then I'm, I'm doing this uh, interesting kind of marketing campaign because we're thinking about like SEO analytics for business, right? Cause you guys know, like when it comes to like business nowadays, everything has to be integrated with like 
social media, the like different shopping outlets, Google, like, you know, like everything. Right. And there's like what's called SEO analytics. Which just means search engine optimization. Right. Yeah. But the, but the algorithms for those things change like 400 times a year. And so um, I was thinking about, you know, the ways that uh, to do the marketing finally, once everything is bit built from like a business perspective, now I can start to, you know, spend money. And instead, what we're going to do is write articles for nationally publicized magazines like USA Today, Forbes, and do all these online publications, which have, you know, hundreds of thousands of viewers who read these publications. And, and I'm going to test that out and see, you know, how that works from a marketing platform. It works, man. I mean, half of the magazines today, you think that you're reading a story and secretly it's an advertisement for something, you know, it's <laughs> like somebody in there, whatever, and they overcame it by this product. And then it's like you sneaky little plug. Right. But uh, it works. I mean, it, it, most mag, especially grow magazines, they're more blatant about it. It's like literally half of the magazine is just ad, 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 ad. But uh, yeah. yeah, when you go to those types of magazines, like you're talking about, uh, it's a little different. We had a question from Oki Grower specifically, specifically for you, Brandon, which oh, says, uh, do you recommend using any sugars at the end of the grow? No, I, I, I don't um, feed any extra type of complex carbohydrates into my system. And the reason is, is because I'm already putting in the types of microbes that I want that do a specific job. I know what those are, you know, and I do those at certain periods of time. If you put in a complex carbohydrate into your system for a short period of time, what you're going to do is you're going to increase whatever microbes can assimilate that and start to procreate. They're going to release organic acids. It'll temporarily drop the pH and kind of do the Like you could do a type of crop steering where you could like make some things more available by, you know, using biology, but if you were to do it without, you could just, whatever's in there. So if you had something that wasn't good in there, you had fusarium, you're like, oh, I need to like, you know, I need good bacteria to start, you know, getting this thing going. You, you add some type of complex carbohydrate, you could make the problem worse as opposed to, you know, make, you know, making the problem better. But the short answer is no, I don't add any complex har- carbohydrates. I use the complex carbohydrates to make the microbe plus, but that's about it. Yeah. I was just going to say, I was going to bring up what Ryan says in chat here. Ryan Krakowski says uh, he just bought some brown sugar to make his uh, K and F. Yeah. Save your brown sugar and, and, and make a ferment with that. So I think a better use for it. I think I like Brandon's method where if you know exactly what microbes are putting in, ideally you get a lot of those to stick when you're watering them in and high enough amounts into a soil that is ideally kind of composed to accept it and welcome it. But I want to welcome in, not a microbe, but a dude who grows some pretty awesome weed, Dog Doctor. Welcome back. Hi, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. How's everybody doing? Been a while, man. Been a while, man. I kind of miss you guys. We missed you, man. It's good to have you back. Yeah, man. Good to be yes, back. Welcome to dog doctor. Thank you. Let me turn this around. So I believe it's this one here. Did I change it or did I take it off? You have a background, so it's blocking basically ah, everything. Okay. True. Okay. Wait. I want to quote the uh, great spot poker. He, I think, found a thing that we were talking about earlier. 
just the law of minimum states that the local yield of terrestrial plants should be limited by the nutrient that is present in the environment in the least quantity relative to its demands for the plant growth. And that was, we were kind of talking about Liebig's law of minimums, the whole slats in the bucket we've mentioned many, many times in the show in the past now, but uh, a good little write-up to describe kind of what's happening there as well. But here we are with Dog Doctor. I'm going to go ahead and spotlight you now that we have the uh, virtual background out of there. Looks like we got one plant. What strain are we looking at? Okay, so we are looking to Amsterdam Amnesia. This, uh, it's a contest that Dutch Passion is doing. They send this. Uh, is this an auto or a photo? No, no, it's a photo. I was going to make the tree out of it, but then why not just take the full put, try to see the full potential out of it, so I'm going to scrub it. I just installed this yesterday. As you can see, it's pretty much doing nothing yet. She's about uh, a month old now from seeds. I like the way she's growing, actually. Doing pretty solid, I'd say. Uh, what size is the pot? The, this this is in here two days for I just changed it to two days. This is big one. This is twenty five liters. So the idea is to fill one plant to fill all of this with it, which I have time, so I still have three months for 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 it to be ready. Supposedly, so I can veg it for a while still, and then I, I believe so in two months she will be ready to to the contest to finish it. But I like the way she's growing, the way that the branches are coming out. I pretty much did nothing until now, just bending some leaves. 25 liters that... is a 6.6 gallon for any of the uh, gallon folks okay. out there. I'm sorry. No, no, one... I'm sorry I cut you off. I just wanted to throw it in there because I know a lot of our U.S. listeners have no idea what a liter is. This one is a five gallon, which means 16 liters. This is also a photo period. This is a cross of gorilla with bubble gum. Uh, it's a gorilla blue OJ, something like gorilla OJ blue. This is from Ganja Pharma. They also send this for it. It's another contest anyway. But, Are you going to uh, top it? Uh, I don't know. I have two more plants that I'm going to show you that I in there I have to put it here. I was thinking on topping it, topper and clone it. Something like this, or but, yeah, but yeah. why not? Because she's growing really nice. Yeah, she looks good. She looks in the beginning, she was really, really slow, like nothing happened. But suddenly, she wake up and poof, now she's on fire. So, I, I'm thinking on topping her, not here, but not now because uh, I don't have anything ready. Just that's the only reason, otherwise, I would do it live. We, uh, we've already had a live topping from you, we, we don't need uh, you to double up. <laughs> <laughs> Do it proper when you got your stuff ready. Uh, and yeah, I'm pretty curious about it. She's growing pretty solid also. The only thing I'm doing also to this one, it's uh, bending the leaves so far. I will bring, I show you those two over here, which are the runs. They're almost dead, like I always do to them. I really fuck them up. And then I bring them up to life. Now, for those I know things, that feeling. <laughs> This is what hmm. I do to my plants before I, I put them in the final pots and uh, take care of them. <laughs> I know she looks ugly as fuck, but that last run you guys saw, it was exactly like this. And I she mean, if you pluck back. off those dead leaves and you get it into a proper size pot in a week or two, that thing is going to be back to pretty yeah. much. Exactly. She will explode. I will clean everything from down. I will open her 
and I will fill up that space pretty nice. Meanwhile, that one grows, fill up the rest of the space, and then they will be ready to flower. This, I would imagine two, three weeks from now, probably. Something like this. She's a very strong plant. And in here, we have the outer world. That was my next question. How are the autos doing? Dude. They're looking good. Looking I'm happier than the it. other side. I like oh, his yeah. autos. Yeah, yeah. Are those in auto pots too, or are those in regular pots? Yes, sir. No, 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 no. So autos and auto pots. I love it. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty much my, my limb. I'm going to keep doing autos in this auto pots. This thing really works nice. Yeah, I love that they, like they drink it out. stays with no water. And only when it gets dry, that the, the bumps releases again. And it does that independently. I've yeah. been checking it out. It really does like that. Some of them have different levels. And that's the reason why. In the beginning, I didn't understand why. And now I understand. So each one drinks as he wishes. It's not a continuous thing. It, it, it dries out, then it fills up. Dries out, and it fills up. Yep. Yeah, it's a good system. If, if you got it, the, I think the plastic pots work a little better than the fabric pots because they wick a little pots. better. Pardon? Sorry, I'm gonna mute Buddy. Uh, Buddy Kilowatt just joined us, but he was not muted and oh, there's a bunch okay, of background okay. noise, so that that was what was coming through. So, so are you, the top, dog, are you feeding nutrient solution through those through the water pots, or is it just water? Half half. So I have my traditional NPK pellets from from ah, Atos okay. in there. Perfect. And in here, I'm putting regulator, which is like the power side, the monosilic. And uh, I'm putting the CalMag also. So in here, only CalMag and the silica, monosilica. Very and water, low, of yeah, yeah. And uh, once a week, I'm uh, adding, flush. not flush, I'm, I'm putting water with nutrients, but uh, with the uh, bloom uh, with pea. Now just pea for now, because they're just starting now. So I added pea today, was the first one actually. So once this go down, this will go down like in four or five days. When this is dry, I will go and I will feed them again with the P or K, depending how they go. And P and K, I, I see how they go and, and I'm going to feed them like that. But uh, in the reservoir, I'm only putting water, calcium and the uh, monosilica or whatever. So I want to go ahead and introduce Buddy Kilowatt, who's out walking out around in his uh, outdoor garden. Looking beautiful. Oh, that's yes. I'll give Damn. you a tour of my outdoor, my indoor sleeps till later till tonight. I guess we'll start on this side. Uh, these are like four by eight raised beds, basically living soil, water only in the last three years. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Man. These are all Good. genetics from modern epigenics. Maybe you know the story of Michael Hendon, who was murdered, and his girlfriend, Brianna, wife has taken over the breeding project. And this is, uh, she just released this publicly, but I've been running it for for about six months. It's uh, a line of straw nana crosses. And so that that's all that's in here. Like that's cheetah piss straw nana, Gary Payton straw nana, uh, alien straw nana, bunch of those these are some uh autos uh from james loud that didn't get very tall or big but you know they're flowering that they're probably only a month old or something that kind of quick these are some outdoor uh indoor ones that got too tall i don't even know what they were oh that's pocket pussy which is papaya runts and 
There's, uh, let's see. I don't even know. These, this was a clone that someone gave me at Free Seed Day at Masonics. It seems to look all right. And over here, yeah. last few years, I've been growing uh, Super Lemon Haze, mainly because in my area, later in the year, we get a lot of marine layer. And uh, it has semi-open structure and finishes pretty well in my area early. But then what's really looking That's good this season is another one from Modern Epigenics from her last drop last year, which was, <laughs> what do you call it? Runts reversal line. And this is the J1 Runts. And I ran it indoor a few times and liked it. And it really took off. I don't know if you can really tell how tall these are, but. No offense to dog doctor, but I had to switch. To no, no, please, please. It's beautiful. <laughs> Go for and it. Uh, <laughs> they, they really smell good. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good one for outside. Uh, how much longer do you Jay think that one's got? Buddy. Oh, it, the the G, the J one side. Yeah, I, I, I yeah no, they still got a month or so. I was say something yeah, about man, me. that's gonna be uh, some good shit. Dude. You know, another thing baseball you, like you know, hey, I bought <laughs> this at Home read. Depot. It's called Gamma Sonic, right? Uh, it's seventeen watt LED solar, and I mounted it on like an uh, uh, umbrella thing, and that little light can keep a four by eight bed in veg, meaning in my area, things tend to flip the flower pretty much all year round. It's hard to get things in natural veg cycle. That is dope. You doing since I solar? started using this, this little solar, it's, it's like 150 bucks or something. There's, That's worth what it, made, dude. What Super worth it. Really good. And, uh, most of these are like have two kind of software because they're security lights. So it either is motion detect or I uh, forget the other one. This one, I can when the hit sun this, goes down. Yeah. Well, I can hit this one thing and, and either pick four, six or eight hours. So I think I have it on six hours. So when the sun goes down, it stays on for six hours where when you go buy security lights, it's hard to find one that have like the amount of hours. Like, so that's what made this one cool. Because, yeah, yeah. So that kicks uh, ass. Can, Solar, I mean, it, outdoor growing, dope. it should be as close to free as possible. And that really keeps you not having a power mill. 17 watts. And yeah, you, you plants don't need much to stay in veg. You know, like, oh, I could have, I have extension cord. I could have ran like 10 watt bulbs and all that, but that, I don't know, that seemed easier and, and it worked. I've, I've had it like three years and yeah, it's great. Like right now I have it over the autos figuring what the hell they can take more light. But uh, that's how this tray or this bed is, is not as far along as the other bed because it was under the, the, uh, supplemental lighting uh lo longer or so do you just get them to a certain size and then you move the light around and say okay those are ready to, ready to rip and just let them go well you'd have to see it it like actually like puts out a good coverage like well 
it's a little now the plants are too tall but when they were like a shorter size this one light would light the whole bed and wouldn't have any overflow light to the bed next to it like it would just really it, it is it like shines and you come out here at night you're like you can stand two feet over and be in the dark yeah it's directional i guess you'd say and it it yeah it works great for anyone in southern california that is having uh then i just even noticed i don't know if it comes through these ones are showing like pink pistols kind of yeah you can see it on the top uh, definitely a light yeah. nice light pink yeah yeah um i don't even wait i can smell it and know what it is yeah, that's super loving haze which i've grown three years i never seen pink pink so it must be in the weather uh we've had a pretty mild summer compared to like a lot of the state where my friends are talking 100 degree days up north i think we've had some mid 90s so far this year and that's just been in the last week so it's been a pretty good year as far as extreme heat in san diego like i'm close to jack jack's on the coast i'm a little inland out here in fallbrook beautiful and, weather uh, i mean san diego is hard to beat in my uh opinion but yeah, yeah i've definitely. been here 23 years and actually what influenced me to move to fallbrook happened when i was a teenager there was an article in high times that my dad had and it was an expose on a grower from fallbrook and like 25 four years ago my wife or my girlfriend at the time lived in encinitas and we started looking for places out here in north county and I saw this place, Fallbrook, that I'd remembered from that article. And was she was from the area. She's like, oh, no one lives out there. That's way out in the boonies. And I was like, well, let's, let's go check it out. And we've been here ever since. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Like you just showed that little drop. I have another friend who lives over there. I just got to visit recently. <laughs> and he has a similar setup where he's kind of up on top of a hill. And you look around and it's just beautiful. Like it's, it's nice. It's more uh, secluded. Well, like there's the a lot of traffic. Like, Hey, a lot of towns, they, 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 they change, they get modern. One of the things I like about Fallbrook, yeah, nothing's changed here in 23 years I've been here. I think two new fa uh, corporate fast food people are in town, but other than that, nah, same old place. And that's, that's what tracks me to the area. Plus the weather, like there's this one map that's in Balmer's Almanac that, that, basically is a color coding and they designate annual averages because one of Fallbrook's claim to fame it's even on our sign when you come into town 70 degree annual average annual average and uh when there's this map Sounds there's like only a, there's only a few dots on the planet that is 70 degree annual average and even though our laws are just slowly starting to let license grows in Oceanside and all that. Uh, as far as the state of California goes, I think it might take 10 more years because of the laws, but a lot of the, the cannabis growing is going to end up moving down to North County, San Diego, just due to like, yeah, you could go year round with less energy than pretty much anywhere else in the state. You're going to have to run shade cloth. Yeah, Not you, you know, particularly, but like for commercial well, no, production, I've actually thought I could get better. Like that's and even what happened if those other ones didn't get so tall, 
I have a shade cloth idea because I have the fence and the poles, but that needs the plants to be shorter. And uh, looks like that palm yeah, tree is doing a good job. Well, yeah, it's it's a good spot. This used to be my dog pen when my dogs were younger because I have no fence line up here, and then uh, they got mature enough that they don't need they don't run away anymore. So, uh, or they've never run away. They just cause trouble around the neighborhood. Uh, uh, yeah, I turned it into this. Because I'm not awesome. an outdoor grower. Like, to be honest, I have like 34 years experience hydro indoor. Over the years, I used to take a few plants that from indoor, put them in ocean farm or a fox farm soil and finish them outside or bloom them outside. And then when COVID started, I, I got involved here on the weed. I call it weed too, but whatever, the social media, you know, Instagram and YouTube and followed Cooch Mix or whatever. It's not Cooch Mix, but the various living soil things. Because even this, I'm a product guy, hydro, 34 years. I've grown three seasons out here, only water. And I have worms. I have a worm farm and I use worm castings and water and maybe build a soil. What's that? Craft blend. That's it. That's great and, shit, man. That's basically all I put. It's worm castings and, and, and craft blend. And even now I'm used to it. But the first year, oh, when they would be at this stage, oh, I got a bottle for this stage. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But like it's so for me, it's been hard not to go and say, oh, let's give it a PK boost or let's do this. But no, just soil, water, good soil. I, you know, I. You're living uh, the good life outdoors. That's how it should be. Keeping it simple, growing yourself some dank, uh, low cost. You got solar. Yeah, like veg. to be honest, like, like after so many years of doing this, I really didn't have very good results or experience in outdoor. Like all I did is grow indoor, even on my properties in the past. Well. I would feel like a big risk or a big dummy if somehow a few outdoor plants led to my indoor. Yeah, you know what I mean? So now I don't feel that yeah. way. Even though I don't know what the limp the, well, no one's no one gives no one I hey, I can get my binoculars out and show you that all my neighbors have patches, some bigger than others. Hey, that's the best thing for California. We all gotta get them growing. I, I wish he said he wasn't so hoity toity. Uh, talk about gentrified cities but here's tommy tricombs i want to introduce welcome in tommy and uh why don't you give us a little talk through i'm glad to find hey patch. jack i'm finally glad to come on the show i be honest i was watching the, the, the phil just finished a concert up in san francisco i was watching it and it ended and i came on and it had the link and i've I, been wanting to come on your show i watch it every i i love your show we appreciate awesome. you, man. I, hey, I honestly before... want to link up with you in person, buddy, because I, I, I can drive yeah. the fucking ball, Brooke, man. I'd love to bring one down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, shit. I, I have that hey. good time on my hands. Before we we'll go to up. Tommy, buddy, what is the name? Is there a, a company name on that uh, solar light that you have there? Yeah, it's called Gamma Sonic. It, it's, it's, uh, let me <laughs> double check that because you can pull, I got it at Home Depot. They carry it. All right, good. Now, it wasn't like in stock, but it was one of those things where you click and next thing you know is at the store. Right. So it's perfect. called Gamma Sonic. And this one is 17 watt solar LED. That's some of this. 
I don't know. I had the box for a few years, but I think I threw it out. But it's easy. It it has like a pro, like if you do a little research, you see and make sure you get one that has the four, six or eight hour program in it. Because some of that is like, oh, a lot of the ones that that are like, oh, if I had it set on the security one, it wouldn't run at 17 watts. See, part of it is. If, if I picked eight hours, it would run at a lower, a lower uh, wattage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, right. Hey, shout out to right. Bud. Hey, Bud. Tommy. Bud, the, the garden looks good. <laughs> yeah. Well, your shit always looks good too, Tommy. Fuck. Hey, we're, buddy. We're like brothers from another mother, just fucking <laughs> on the other side of the fucking planet. Dude, I thought you said the the light was made by Miss Sonic. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> damn, damn Sonic. I said, damn. But, hey, Miss Sonic, cool. He's hey, really Masonic hustling if he's cool. got the solar lights. <laughs> They're going too. Shout out to Big Mace. Uh, I met him. Yeah, time, Big Mace. Uh, I, I got a, I got his genetics indoor. I haven't done his outdoors yet, but sure. I should. He's, he's but I already had these plants. In, in I followed process. him for a long time when he was just a memer before, uh, you know, he ever even had the uh, his seed game going. And now it's, uh, you know, his one male basically X everything. Uh, what's what's his main line? Um, Wilson. 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 Wilson crossed everything. Uh, I know, but Tommy I got to say, hey, I got to say with all my experience, the Wilson has great structure. It's a good thing to cross because keeps things sort of it's not a stretcher and it puts on a, a lot of structure that's all i'll say about yeah well in six good, or seven good genetics six yeah. to start with i mean harry palms and oni noodles but yeah, Tommy, what are we looking legit. at what, what are we seeing yeah, over let's here, Tommy? go from the west coast uh, to the fresh coast of michigan yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see some michigan here all right check it out so we got uh these are all rambo breath here in this oh bag. that's that's your own strain right there that's man my own strain that's the ambrosia times the og kush breath uh shout out to uh jack because i remember when i was just calling it rambo and someone else already had a rambo <laughs> and he suggested i call it uh rambo breath because it's uh it's og kb yeah times the ambrosia so the breath comes now wait the, tommy you're my buddy. So you haven't been able to smoke weed in a week. And it sounds like in your voice, you've been drinking booze a lot. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Thank Get you back on the weed, dude. Get back yeah. on the weed, dude. Hey, hey, you call my probation officer and pretend you're my attorney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know all about that. Yeah, do what you got to do, dude. No, 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 but check it out. Time goes by we got, quick. We got the Chelsea. That's uh, the homie Nick Risden. Uh, this is my selection of it, out of some seeds you gave me. <clears throat> we got uh, a couple of these are it's called the Jokers. It's uh, some kind of runs cross. Um, and then look right here we have uh, this is the Bicket OG, which uh, the cuts from Nick. Yeah, another Nick Risden. GMO to that. cherry pie. Yeah, no, no. So that's that cross to the Rambo. So this is like... Oh, nice. Yeah, so I try to keep it shorter. See how it's shorter? Yeah. The Ram Bicket? Yeah, Ram Bicket. Or, I was or the Bicket Ram. Yeah, Nick Bow or something like that. So this like is that. another... Uh, Nick Bow. That's another Fino of it. Uh, right here is Melvin's from uh, Seattle Chronic. That's his cut. It looks like the, the, the Rambo breath cost to the 
bicket actually looks a little bit more tameable. Like the bicket seems yeah, like it's kind of a crazy, yeah, unwieldy would, plant. That's the goal. So I selected two real garlicky ones, kind of like the GMO leaning, but uh, flavor profile, but not structure wise. So I try to get them short because if you see these Rambo breasts, that's why I chose to do a lot of this outside because it gets nice tight nugs and it stays kind of low. I mean, I'm going over the fence at this point, but you know. I was going to say, I see you buried some of them, but you got pots on the inside. So the ones closer to the fence, I'm imagining are buried just for height. Uh, no, all, all these are in the ground. That's just a bunch of barley and uh, rice hulls. I had, I had some mice get into my uh, rice storage, <coughs> eating away at all my, uh, all my, uh, you know, dried stuff. So it was like a bunch of shit. That, uh, mice, and then, uh, I'm gonna try to run you. I got five percent left, but I'm. Oh yeah, we got we got pure Kush and royal Kush in the pots. So yeah, only those five are in the pots. The rest are in the ground. And I'm gonna try to run you guys into my. Uh, we'll take you in the uh, indoor. The yeah, the indoor real quick. I got five percent. So. Well, it looks beautiful on the outdoor, Tommy. Good job, man. Yes, it does. You guys are all crushing it, man. Everybody. I love love it when people come on. I wish more people would come on and show their garden. Buddy, I'm really happy you got to come on for the first time. Yeah, I'll uh, go downstairs. Yes. We got enough time. And while I'm on here, I must say hi to Matthew Gates because he's actually come up here, Jack, and he consulted on me and helped me get rid of spider mites last uh, a while back. I think, unfortunately, his, he already had to jump out. I'm going to be doing his oh, sign-outs. He, he texted me. Oh, I see him. He's a great dude. I I've hung out here. with him here, local. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Gage knows his bugs, man. He's a great dude. Very knowledgeable and, and so much more than just IPM. But, um, oh, man, Tommy, yeah, it's looking Tommy. killer. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're great, yeah, beautiful. Thanks, thanks. You, yeah, so this, this is basically... Turn it, turn it, hold it sideways. Yeah, like go, you're very oh, okay, No, it's all good. It's it's natural oh, to go up it? and down. Can, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Looks great, man. Perfect. Thank you. Wow. It looks beautiful. Man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Very yeah, uniform been, on uh, those first two. That's beautiful yeah, so kind this, of thing. This one's all too uniform. The rest of the bags basically uh, a big bag. I got, I mean, I got the whole library kind of. Kind of put them in here, cut them, you know, check new clones, and then kind of do that. that what are those four by four heads? Uh, yeah, I got I got some four by fours. The one in the middle is a four by eight, a solid four by eight. But I find those are just so hard to move around. I built my own little uh, rolling table, little platforms to cast. If I, yeah, and then uh, so yeah, you can see it's just a lot easier to get in and like adjust the lights and stuff, and then get up there and clean and all that, all that good stuff. But uh. Yeah, so this is the first run on that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, uh, I'm doing the buddy into the spotlight. Oh, well, no, I go ahead. Tom. No, no, it, it, it flips on me, it shows both. So, I mean, it, it's a great no, ambiance. No, cool. Well, my mind oh, yeah. are dark, so you can't see much, but uh, yeah, we'll go look at some. I can't see my phone because I'm it got all dim because it's only on bottom the line. Center. If you come into my place, it's like a throwback to the 90s, okay? There we are. Oh, good old HPS. 90s. Yeah, I haven't changed a thing in fucking ever. I'm still stuck in the 90s. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, that's one of my sayings. That sounds good. 
And you can justify it any way you want. If the price was still like it was at pre-COVID or during COVID, I would have bought LEDs now. But at this point, it's kind of hard to throw down a bunch of money. <laughs> That's a good point. But but I, I don't I, I know that LEDs are where it's at. It's not that oh I think that HPS is still where it's at. <laughs> it's just that well it's been running for fucking ever. This place alone is like going on its tenth year. It's easier to buy new bulbs than to buy a whole new setup of uh, LEDs. So yeah, and some of it, even in the last two years, I was almost going to throw down. I went there with the money. Uh, the price has dropped like 50% since then. And a lot of things have changed, you know, like brands that were cool, aren't cool, or what, you know, all the bullshit. And that just means yeah, prices well, are coming down, man. Technology's getting better and prices die. keep dropping. When those battles die, that's when you get a LED, buddy. Let me tell you. Even what makes me gun shy is I, I bought 30 lights at the change when we went digital. Remember, we used to have balances that were magnetic yep. or whatever. Yep. And those had a five-year warranty. And like clockwork, 20 of them died between year five and seven, one right. after another. And the truth about it was their door stops at that point. I, Unlike yep. the old ballast, oh, if your capacitor goes out, you buy a $20 capacitor and put it in there. Uh, so, that, so, yeah, I went through that where I'm sure the uh, digital balances today don't die like a month after their warranty, you know. I bet you they do. <laughs> yeah, but even my balances, when, I, when those ones died, I pulled out the ones, some of them are 25 years old that I've had since way back and they lit it up. hey guys i know i sorry to cut in but uh i just realized spartan we're five minutes past when i normally let you jump out so i want to give you a uh, final th thoughts and shout out before you head on over to michigan bros bro show maybe yeah, spartan. Um, we're talking leds man fucking you guys want to get a gml led use code spartan we're all about saving money on the panel especially the, the guys that come on and show their gardens that's so fun to me for me to see i'm sure the audience agrees so thank you guys for doing that it's not easy to do that it's uh to, to let everyone in the whole world see your garden so thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing that and um you know shout and, out to chat and i've watched in. you for two years spartan it's good to meet you too oh likewise man i love meeting people it's just fucking that's my favorite that's why i love doing these shows that's what it's about we got to build this community and keep it strong and it doesn't matter what the corporations do they can fail and we can sit there and laugh as they burn so that's yeah, what we'll i'm smoking the whole time so just keep up with your dollars and keep growing and uh, we'll see you guys next week thanks thanks a lot guys hey, peace Spartan. Thanks, good, Spartan. Peace Spartan. Spartan. Always good to see you peace out Spartan. tommy the uh, chat's dying to know they only heard a couple of the strains i i heard two soups shout out to miranda family farms but i also heard yep. some uh the rambo breath what are some of the other strains that you're growing over there uh on the indoor so let's see i have uh I have one. It's a uh, it's a rabbit hole cross from uh, WeWoo, Scapegoat Genetics. It's uh, I call it grape crayon. I kind of coined my little cut. It's like it does kind of taste like when you were a kid and would like smoke a crayon like it was a cigarette kind of thing. Right. <laughs> and uh, what else we got in there? I got cherry pie. I have uh, London pound cake. 
I have something I call John Malone, which is uh, Dutch Bloom's Post Malone, crossed to my Rambo breath. So we get the, the John Rambo, you know, and Malone. So <laughs> it's kind of a play on words there. Uh, I have uh, the Skunk Bow is in there. That's another cross of mine. That's uh, the G13 cross to the Rambo. I have uh, Divine Storm in there. I have a little bit of Runts. Uh, what else is in there? I have, oh yeah, I have a Screaming Eagle from, uh, shout out to Duke Diamond. A uh, couple different Finos of that, which I'm still trying to decide. I think I'm going to take more of the, uh, uh, it's, I, I just best describe it as like a G13 kind of taste. It's got like that bite to it, where it's like that grapefruity kind of bite, but heavy smoke not like a citrus kind of daytime smoke more of a heavy <laughs> heavy kind of kind of deal uh what else is in there i don't know <laughs> like i said i almost put the whole library in there Snip, <laughs> cut yeah. Hey, yeah i'll bring up it i inherited because somebody shut down so he gave me 40 teens that he gave me a some of the bud it was called pancakes but at first i because I, I always ask mace Mason's well, like, oh, yeah, it's a cookie strain, whatever. But it turns out it's pancakes with a Z. Wait, I have it written down. Leo somewhere. Stone from Humboldt. It's like a crazy mix. Uh, it's cherry noir crossed into grape stomper. And, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I say he gave me a few buds when he gave them to me. And it was fucking, it was killer. So I'm excited. I got that pancakes. He, he gave me like 300 clones that I didn't need, but 100 of them. And then 40, uh, yeah, he shut down a successful place due to the change in the game. Hmm. Yeah, the price yeah. keeps going down. People can't keep operating at the same uh, dollar value forever, unfortunately. But Dude, I wanted to. This guy had what he called a solar array. In, like he showed me pictures. It's out in Anzas. I, it's a little far for me to travel to. But 22% power was all he was paying on the LED operation and all this because of solar. And I'm like, how the fuck are you shutting it down? Turns out like he has a master's degree in some other thing. And yeah, he can get paid a hundred thousand a year just for doing whatever. And he's like, that's his choice, which knowing that Tim Blake is right. We're in an extinction event and only like 40% of us are going to be left next year. If that, so, you know, in the end, seeing these people fold <laughs> is part of what has to happen. I just don't want to be one of them. Fuck. It's all I know. I don't have anything else to do. I'll be here. I'll be here next year and the year after that. Well, I want to say yeah. a big shout out well, to all Adam, you guys for coming Adam on. Dunn we got to wrap it up. I'm sorry, buddy. It's time for us to go through and do the final thoughts and shout outs. I want to say yeah. cheers to the Brown Dogs. Cheers to Tommy Tricoms. I'm going to pass it to you first and let us know uh, where we can find you on the social medias before you get going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Real quick shout out. Uh, Tommy.Tricoms on IG. Uh, that's that's all I got. Holler at me there. Uh, just good to good to hang out. See you guys. Uh, like to sh like to show off. I'm proud of all my hard work I've been doing this uh, this year. And uh, everyone, just stay safe out there. Fuck the police. Fuck probation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what I'm saying. Till the next time, my friends. All right. Peace Great having love, you, baby. Tommy. You got lots of props nice. tonight on the chat. You could go back and watch it. People are showing you lots of love and much deserve it. All that hard work pays off, man. Yeah, and it's great having you. And uh, really right. appreciate it. Next up, we got Buddy right. Kilowatt. Yeah, it was great to finally hook up with you guys, and maybe uh, in the future I can uh, make a video when the lights are on and show you what I got down there, because I actually have like 20 strains going. 
So there's a lot in there. Amy Aces is in there too. But it's been good and see you around next week. Awesome, man. Well, uh, next up, we got the dog doctor. Thank you so much for joining and showing off your garden. I'm glad that we got a little bit of time for all three guests to show off their awesome gardens. And it takes a lot of courage to come on and show it off. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, it's cool to show off what you're doing and, and let the people know uh, who you are and where they can find you. It's always a pleasure and an honor. Thank you guys for having me. I'm Dog Doctor. You can find me as Dog Doctor Official in Instagram or as Dog Doctor in the Grow Diaries. Uh, it's always a pleasure and honor. Thank you guys for putting up this. It's a thank you shot for keeping up with everything, the questions and everything that keep up every week to going and going and going. It's a, it's a big must to the shots and grows love to you all. Keep on growing and keep on believing. Either it's legal or illegal. Make it your own. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dog Doctor. And next up, we got Brandon Rust. Hey, what's going on? Always good to be on the show. Uh, if you're looking for any fertilizers, amendments, microbes, go check out the website, www.bokashiearthworks.com. And then you can find everything I'm doing on Instagram at rust.brandon. Thank you so much for joining us. Normally, I would save him uh, last and certainly not least, but this week I'm going to be covering for Matthew's shout out. So I'm going to pass it next to the American one. Jack, as always, excellent work on hosting. Uh, shout out to Dog Doctor, Buddy Kilowatt, and Tommy Tricones for coming up and showing us the shit. We always love that. Um, yeah, Buddy Lee, that that one uh, that one looks monstrous. That uh, J1, uh, I can't wait to see what that thing looks like when it's harvested. And yeah, Dog Doctor, your plants are all looking killer. And uh, yeah, those are, those are good autos. Like, that's that's the thing with all those though you see yours and then you see buddies outside under the sun and they're half the size and yeah see that's why that's why the autos in my mind that's what i see when i think of autos i see the you know all right but now i'm babbling on but yes thank you to all for coming up and showing us your stuff shout out to chat i wish i was there a little more but we love you and great questions from everyone and yeah, it's great getting uh, some um, feedback from Smart Poker and stuff. He's paying attention and asking questions pertinent to what we're talking about, which is awesome. So, yeah, peace to everyone. And, um, yeah, the extinction event, stay alive. And my advice to everyone, never grow old. That's it. Oh, yeah. Keep taking those uh, cannabis cookies or edibles, RSO, whatever it is. Stay medicated. It'll keep you healthy for a long time. Look at all the old stoners, Tommy John, Snoop Dogg. All these people, uh, Joe Rogan, they all age much healthier than uh, some of the other substances out there. So I'm not going to put any of the other ones down. Everybody makes their own personal choice or whatever. But, yeah, I agree there with you, Tao. Cannabis is uh, oh, yeah. great for the soul and for the body. But um, I want to give a big shout out next to Matthew Gates. He covered a big portion of the first half of the show. We talked a lot about IPM. He can be found on Instagram at Sync Angel. That's S-Y-N-C-H-A-N-G-E-L. And you can also find him on YouTube at Zenthanol. And uh, he has a website, Zenthanol.com, where you can get in contact with him for consulting. Or you can also go on Patreon.com slash Zenthanol, where you can support him starting at $1 per month. And that will give you access to his exclusive group chat, where I'll identify and help uh, eliminate your pests and give you a good strategy there. So um, he's definitely got a great thing going on over there. And he has tons of great information on his page. So appreciate him and all the work he's doing for us. Uh, the whole community and skunk magazine and all great stuff so big ups to matthew gates he's a great dude awesome person i've uh, met up with him several times here in san diego a uh, good friend awesome guy and uh can't can't say any 
thing but great things about him. Lastly, I'm at Jack Greenstock, like you see right here on Instagram. I also go Jack underscore Greenstock for my backup account and Twitter. And if you want to contact me on a cannabis-friendly social media website, there's one called Cannabuzz, where I'm at Jack Greenstock there, too. I don't use it too often, but I have a pretty good feed going over there. I've posted a bunch of stuff. You'll find me if you look for me. And uh, last and certainly not least, if you do not have a social media, if you want to do an email, you can just shoot me an email, jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com, or you can contact me directly through my website, 50strains.com. You can send messages, or you can order a book. I've got 50 strains of green out right now, which... uh, in a few hundred copies, nobody's actually refuted a single one of the strain lineages, which was one of my biggest concerns. I wanted to make it accurate. And a few hundred growers and, and smokers have gone through it. And not a single person is, I wrote in there, if you find a strain that you feel is inaccurate, please contact me. And I'd like to, uh, you know, clarify it. So part of the reason 50 strains of purple has taken a while. I do a lot of due diligence. I want to get the best possible photos. I want the most accurate information about the breeder, who they are, the crosses that they made. So I'm trying my very, very best. I know it's been delayed over a year at this point, but I'm really working hard to make it the best possible thing. So 50strains.com if you want the first uh, book, which is now the second edition, it's 50 Strains of Green. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting. The chat was amazing tonight. Great questions. Uh, Crispy Wannabe and Smart Poker were saying how much they enjoy the show. Well, we enjoy you listening and your great feedback, like Tao said, and everybody else who's here with us. We know uh, we nerd DWC, uh, Mark Screen Thumb, I Grew Some, Collective Mary Jane, Buddy Kilowatt, so many more. Uh, it's just great to have everybody. Thank you all so much. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast afterwards as well, cheers, peace and love. Jack Greenstock signing out. And for Dr. MJ, you would say, grow his love. Catch y'all next week. Grow his love.